The reading is taken from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. Jesus' teaching on prayer. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no other food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of the friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have a Sherpa this morning. (laughs) Da 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 feeling the tensing already. <laughs> it's because I've got so much clobber. Yeah. I'm going to pray uh, for Liz. She has brought a message to share, but she's also brought not the best of health. So um, if she sounds a little bit gravelly, then that's because she's not too well. So we're going to pray for her now. So Father, thank you for the message that you've given to Liz. It's not for her alone, but it's for all of us. Please help us to hear it in our hearts as well as in our heads. And we pray that you will strengthen her and speak through her weakness with your strength. Amen. Amen. And it's not COVID, by the way. (laughs) Just in case you're sort of backing off at this point. Stefan, am I going to be all right here? Good. Thank you. Right. So we are thinking about prayer this morning. And I wanted to start by talking about eight-year-olds. Anyone got a seven- or eight-year-old 
Yes, you know what seven and eight-year-olds are like. Now, there was a time in my life when I had an awful lot to do with seven and eight-year-olds because when I was younger, I taught some of the children of this church for many years, and I always chose to do the seven and eight-year-olds because they're sort of old enough to be able to do things if you ask them to do, and yet young enough to be excited about everything. And spiritually, they were wonderful. I'm not saying that they were always good, because actually I'm looking around here, and some of them were your sons and daughters. (laughs) They weren't always good, but they were always spiritually alive and curious and surprising. And the most exciting bit of every um, session we did was the prayer time. Um, In those days, this was before this centre was built. I told you it was a long time ago. We were very cramped for space. So I remember our group often met in the kitchen of the church hall or down in the boiler room downstairs, which we called the crypt You wouldn't like to risk assess that nowadays, would you? (laughs) But sitting down there, huddled together, they all took their prayer time very seriously. So um, week by week, we prayed for poorly hamsters, for traumas at school, and for mummy and daddy who were arguing and not very happy. They came to that prayer time with perfect trust. And whether it was a big thing or a small thing, they just asked God. And I often wondered who was the one who was the teacher in this group because I learned so much from them. And a couple of incidents uh, remind me. One week a girl came to the group and she was um, pr- uh, was crying and her friend was comforting her but I wanted to get on with the lesson and hoped that if I ignored her she'd just get over this but I was taken to task quite rightly by her friend no we don't need to do any coloring we need to pray for her now And that's what we did. We stopped everything and prayed. And on another occasion, when we sat in our circle to pray, they turned to me and said, what do you want us to pray for you? And I'd sort of never thought about that. So I admitted that my grandmother was not well. And one of them immediately prayed, Jesus, you so love healing people, so please heal this nanny now which I thought was a wonderfully straightforward prayer. Now, I'm sharing those memories because we are looking at prayer today and we're focusing on this passage that Hugh's just read to us about prayer. Now, this is only part of what Jesus says about prayer. It's only one small part. But you might call it some of the basic fundamentals of prayer. Luke starts his account with this question. 
from one of the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples had watched Jesus go off to pray to his father and they wanted to learn to pray like that. And if I wanted to sum up what I think Jesus is saying in this chapter, it's this. When you pray, pray like a child. So Luke brings together three different things that Jesus says about prayer in this passage. And one is a model prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. One is a story about prayer. And the third is um, a sort of series of how much more contrasts, which shows that God is a generous father. You see, sometimes going out of church is not what they want to do. (laughs) They want to stay. So we're going to start, perversely, by looking at the end of this passage and then work our way around. So verses 11 to 13, if you're following this, as I know some diligent people are. It says this, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Have we got that, Stefan, somewhere? Don't worry if you haven't. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The reason I wanted to start with that is that I think one of the most important things is that prayer starts with a relationship. The picture that Jesus gives is of a father who loves to give good gifts to his children and of children who love and trust their father and know that he will never give them anything that would harm them, a snake or a scorpion. And Jesus is saying that our relationship with our father in heaven is comparable but so much more immeasurably better than our relationship with our human parents. Jesus says, mums and dads, you're not perfect all the time, but you know, I know that you want only the best for your children and you love to give them good things. But how much more will our loving Father in heaven Give us good gifts when we ask him. This is the sort of relationship that prayer is meant to be, like children who know they are loved coming to the Father in faith and trust. And that Father being so overjoyed to be asked and enjoying giving good things as a response. So my first question this morning is, is that how you think of prayer? Is that how you think of prayer? 
Because if we think we are coming to a stern God or a condemning God or a distant God, it will alter how we pray. If that's our image of God, we might think, I need to sort myself out and get myself right before I can go anywhere near God. Or perhaps we think, um, I need to say this in a holy way or God won't be able to hear it. Or perhaps we think, I can't ask this of God because he'll be cross with me. So I wonder how you think of prayer. What's the image that comes to mind? And if you don't think you know a God who is loving and giving and um, better than any father you can possibly imagine, then please feel that you can say that today and please ask someone to pray with you about the image of God that you have. And it may be that the reason you struggle with that is because you had a father who wasn't like that. So if that is something that you find difficult, imagining God as your loving father, then perhaps there's somebody here that you feel you can just ask to pray with you after the service. Now, the second part of this teaching um, that uh, Jesus gives builds on that because we're going to look at Jesus's model prayer, which we often call the Lord's Prayer. And yep, that's appeared on the screen as well. So one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, I wonder how you react when you see that prayer in Luke's version. I think one of the things that um, strikes me is its simplicity. Because we tend to learn the longer version of the Lord's Prayer, which is in um, Matthew's Gospel. And that's what we tend to say Sunday by Sunday. And it has several extra bits that aren't in Luke's version. Now, some of those extra bits seem to elaborate and explain what is already there. For instance, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So perhaps Jesus used different versions at different times. And some bits, like the phrase that we often say at the end, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, may have been added in by the early church um, because this prayer soon became a vital part of Christian worship. And it does seem to end rather abruptly here. So perhaps they felt it needed an ending. 
what we have here seems to be the bare bones of a prayer, but it's all the important bits. And bare bones is an apt phrase, I think, as it's meant to be a framework, I think, for our prayers rather than something we just recite parrot fashion. When you pray, says Jesus, and note he says when, prayer isn't an optional extra, when you pray, pray like this. And the most important word of this prayer is probably the very first one. And we often don't realize it because of the translation. When you pray, say, Father. And the word he uses for Father is Abba, the Aramaic word for Father. But it's a bit more intimate like that. It is the first name that mothers teach children, the first um, name for their father. So I suppose it's the equivalent of Dada or Daddy. So we're back again to that close family relationship. For Jesus, God is Daddy. And the amazing thing is that he says that we can share that intimacy of relationship, that closeness with our Father in heaven too. And I wonder if you just want to take a minute to think about that, that we can call the mighty God in heaven, Daddy. What a privilege that is. So having thought about that, let's look at the rest of the prayer. It is probable that all of this prayer was originally in the language that Jesus spoke, Aramaic. Um, which is a colloquial language. And that word Abba is a relic of that um, because that's not the Greek word, that's the word in Aramaic. And I think that's significant because I think Jesus wants us to learn to pray in our everyday language. He doesn't want us to use a special prayer language Now, the Jewish people were taught to pray in Hebrew, which was the sacred language of God. And, of course, you know, we are often told that we should pray in old-fashioned or elaborate or highfalutin English or Tudor English sometimes. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, come to God as a child. And use your simple, your everyday language. Now, I'm not going to go through every phrase of this prayer because a lot is written on the Lord's Prayer. And in this version, it is much simpler. If you want to just remind yourself, we start by looking up and remembering the greatness and holiness and power of the God who is Dada, 
our Father. Abba, Father, hallowed be your name. We then look around and see his work in the world and pray for that. Your kingdom come. And then having reminded ourselves of God, we are encouraged to just ask, just ask for what we need. Provision for all we need. Give us each day our daily bread. Pardon for the wrongs we have done. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Interesting that even in this simpler version, forgiveness is linked with forgiving others. And then thirdly, protection and guidance for each day. Lead us not into temptation. Or perhaps it might be better translated, do not bring us to a time of trial. And looking at the time of trial that Christians are going through in the Ukraine at the moment, do not bring us to a time of trial. And this is just me wondering. It isn't um, anything I've read, but there are five bits to this prayer in Luke's version. And I'm almost wondering if Jesus did this to help them remember. Abba, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Perhaps he used the hand. Daddy, you are holy and powerful. May your goodness rule on the earth. Give me all that I need. Forgive the wrong things I do. Help me to forgive others. Guide me and keep me safe. So finally, we come to that story that Jesus tells. And you can picture that scene, can't you? Unexpected guests arriving late at night. You've no food to give them. It's going to look really embarrassing. No 24-hour supermarkets. No just eat or anything like that. So you rush to your friends and bang on their door. And an angry head is poked out the window. Go away! We're all in bed! You'll wake up the kids. But you are desperate, so you keep on begging and banging and asking until he, or I suspect more likely she, gives in and gives you some food. And what is Jesus trying to tell us about prayer there? Well, there is something here about relationship again. Because this was a friend, you felt you could go and ask. You felt you could go in the middle of the night. We can have that some sort of friendship with God. And it is okay to ask for our own needs. Some people don't seem to think we can ask for our own needs. But you can ask for things you need. And uh, God won't stop loving you because of that. But there's also something here about boldness. In the version that was read to us, it said it talked about the person's shameless audacity. Shameless audacity. Jesus is encouraging us to be bold with God when we pray and just to ask him for what we need. Don't wait for the right time. Don't worry about 
whether it might or might not be his will or whether you're using the right words or the right formula or you're in the right place, just ask him. Nagging God is all right, actually, I think this story says. Don't worry about that. God can cope with that. Jesus is saying that God is much more ready and willing to answer our prayers than that rather irritated neighbor in the story. There are no inconvenient times to ask God. He never sleeps. And Jesus sums it up by by, um, this phrase. And in the original Greek, the tense is slightly different. Jesus says, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. Keep on. Okay, finally, there is something here about being real. The person who is asking needed to acknowledge his need. And the need really wasn't that he was hungry, but that he was going to be shamed in front of his visitors. And when we pray, Jesus wants us to be simple and real, to tell it like it is to God. He won't be telling him anything he doesn't already know. Pray with passion and need. I feel ashamed, Father. I feel helpless. I feel angry. I feel sad. I just want to add something here about praying about something that feels overwhelming, like Ukraine at the moment. But actually, um, Sharon led us in prayer so beautifully that in a way I feel um, we've already experienced this. It is hard to watch and hard to pray, isn't it? I don't know whether you found that this week. I have tried turning down the sound on the news and praying as I watched the pictures. But what often comes out of my mouth are cries of grief and rage. I can't find the words and sometimes I can't even see the hope in this situation. But as I was thinking about that, I thought, I'm sure this is prayer as well. Because I remember Jesus standing on the side of a road and weeping over the city of Jerusalem because he knew the suffering and destruction that was going to come to it. And I remember him praying in grief because a friend had died. And I remember him crying out in agony to his father as he faced the cross. So we can be real with God when we pray. We don't have to pretend. And we can cry out when we don't have any words to pray. And when we do that, I suspect what we are doing is sharing God's heart of grief. And part of the purpose of prayer is aligning us with God and aligning our hearts and wills with him. So I think when that happens, that's what's happening. The other thing I'd written down here was, you know, if you can't find words, 
prayer psalm, and I'd written Psalm 46, which I think actually is what you use. Um, That also helps. And praying with others also helps as well if, if you're out of words on something like that. And we have a prayer meeting on Tuesday, I think, don't we, where we're going to concentrate on Ukraine in the evening. So, to sum up, pray like a child. Keep it simple, childlike. Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Keep it real, no pretense, no false holiness. And I wanted just to have something practical at the end of this. Um, So I did ask some praying friends in church, uh, in the church family, what helped them to pray And they sent me some wonderful suggestions, which um, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with. But the one that came out again and again and again, practically, is find your prayer space. Find a space in your life where you can pray. And that can be a physical space, a chair with coffee. can be that, that. It can be... A time of the day, it can be going for a walk with the dog, it can be um, a time when you have an app on your phone that you use, it can be in the bath, somebody said in the bath was their prayer time, because it was the only time they could get away, could be in the car on your commute to work, find your prayer space and then Use that to talk to your father, Abba, father. Simple and trusting and real. Okay, earlier in the week um, when I was thinking about this, I was going to preach a slightly different sermon. Um, But um, where this sermon came from was... um, a word from God, I think, really. Because um, when I was praying about it, I thought, what am I going to say? And um, what does the congregation need to hear? And finally, I prayed, Lord, what would you like from this sermon? What would you like from this sermon? And these were the words that came to me. And I think they were from God, for you, for me. I want them to climb up on my lap again. I want them to climb up on my lap again. Now, I don't know whether that means that we as a church have lost some of our closeness with God our Father, or whether that is related to specific people here. But God wants you to climb up on his lap again. And it may be that during the last two years, we have lost that intimacy with God. And we need to try and get it back. So let's just pray together. Abba, Father, Daddy, 
We want to climb up on your lap again. We want to spend time with you joyfully again. We don't want this to be a chore. We don't want this to be a burden. We don't want this to be something we feel guilty about all the time. We want it to be the highlight of our day when we can chat with you and be with you. So Lord, would you transform our life of prayer? Would you help us to find a prayer space in the busyness of our life? Would you transform our prayer as a church as well? And I pray that that intimacy between the father and the children would come back. Teach us to pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.